Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am until 8.30am. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. You're listening to myself, George. We've got Ayan. Hey, hey. And Chris, who's back in the studio after <laughs> their holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Uh, oh, God, what's an American g'day? Um, yeah, what is an American Yahoo. Yahoo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds Canadian. It, it does sound Canadian. <laughs> You've changed. You've yeah, <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. Of like, mm. No, um, I'll probably just get more and more Australian okay. throughout the oh, Australian <laughs> quote credits. Point. G'day, mate. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me, George. Did you have a good trip? It was terrific. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I was just, well, I was just telling you guys that I I, I got to spit on the capitalism bull. um, I got to go to a, the the charging bull at Wall Street. It was very dumb, but it was like a few days after a legitimate protest there where people, it was the Extinction Rebellion, were having protests around America and Australia. Um, and somebody threw blood on it, and then I turned up a few days later and got some photos of me spitting on it a little bit. <laughs> so, you know. Look, you did your bit. I'm pretty radical. I'm pretty extreme. <laughs> I sold capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you also went to a protest? Yes, yeah. Well, I was hoping maybe later to, to talk a bit about it actually a little more, because it's the American Close the Camps uh, an initiative, uh, I guess, campaign, which Australia is sadly very familiar with. We've had ours running for years now because we've had concentration camps for mm-hmm. at least that long, at least 10, on and off for two decades, I guess. But um, yeah. these are relatively newer in America. And, I mean, they've got, they've had similar, they've actually had one in Jersey, I think, for like 10 years. It's, it, it's not like they were never detaining um, people, you know, migrants. But uh, with Trump, it's, it's obviously skyrocketed yeah. and people are dying at, like, you know, child family separations, all these sorts of things. And and these, uh, the campaign I jumped on was, um, it was in New York outside the public library and it was targeting the companies profiting from this, which are Amazon, um, Salesforce. Mm. Uh, and there was, there was, what was really interesting was that there were different levels, like Amazon was providing technology that... I think it helped track uh, people's locations to ICE. They were, they were helping with that. Salesforce was providing wow. employment technology to them. But then there were also little groups, little offshoots. Like it's just a natural element, I think, of America that their activism space is much more developed and there's a lot, there's so many more groups that, you know, I spoke to people there who, some were protesting a detention camp in Jersey that was actually partially backed by the Democrats. And there was this weird informal truce with NGOs because they were seen as the lesser of two evils. But now they're like, no, I mean, not now. The the group I was speaking to have always been against it. But um, they were doing a protest there the next day. And there was another group that were protesting Greyhound, which, as a matter of policy, were letting ICE agents onto buses. Because when people are trying to, you know, move around, they they tend to get buses or, you know. 
Um, and even though they don't have to do that, they were letting, they would let ICE agents get on and be like, hey, where's your papers or whatever, or, wow. you know, uh, which is real fascism stuff. And it's stuff that, that Greyhound does not have to do. So they, they had that. And it was like the whole country, there was, there was protests in California this weekend. Actually, there was some at MoMA. The, you know, everyone loves MoMA, everyone loves progressive art galleries, but yeah. the, one of the trustees there uh, also runs private prisons. So. It's um it's mm. it was massive, uh, and yeah, and Australia definitely has we've definitely had things like that against you know groups like Circo or yeah. Sky Traders and mm. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. it was interesting to see what how America was handling it. When you when you say their activism is more developed, can you expand on that? Well, maybe more just that. Maybe when I say developed, it's more like it, it, everything. It really felt like, hey, everyone, here's the plan. Here's what we're doing all weekend. Which Australia yeah. definitely has. We have groups like um, I forget what they are. The Wacker, I think it is, mm, or, yeah. or yeah, yeah, whistleblowers, and whistleblowers, yeah. yeah, they um and they do terrific stuff. But here it was like in America, it just felt like there was more of that, which is an I think a natural consequence of just being a bigger country. But mm. there were also like so many more different. There were so many groups. There was like Code Pink, and there was you know the New York Socialist Dems, and there was there was a lot there, which Australia definitely has. But it was mm. um more pronounced, I'm more pronounced, and yeah. more it felt more like here's the game plan. Like, you get Amazon, you get Skytrades, <laughs> you get this. Like, everybody yeah. was almost, you know, it was interesting getting that. And th- they also had a, I think because the, for them it's been much more recent, they had very little doubt in their minds about calling them concentration camps, which in Australia there's a lot of like, oh, well, you know, even though we're detaining people for years and we're torturing them into suicide and we're doing this and this and this and it's only one socio-ethnic group that we're doing it to, uh, Let's not call them concentration camps, like they're detention centers. But in America, it's like, oh, no, you're caging families who are innocent people and they're dying and you're separating. And it's like you're only doing it to people seeking asylum. That's a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were talking about how they had won that battle in America. They are now synonymous with concentration camps, whereas in Australia, you will not hear people say that mm. um, as a matter yeah. of as matter There's of a cautiousness, even with um, yeah. in activist circles. They, it feels like they only go so far yeah. and then retreat. But, you know. Yeah. It's it's in, it's interesting. And yeah. it might be because we've everyone in Australia has accepted it for longer. Like, it's always been part yeah. of like not everyone obviously but um you know you'd have to go back to whoever was before keating like paul keating actually introduced the you know mandatory detention so it was him and then howard ramped it up and you know so forth so on and so forth um but you'd have to go a long back way back before we were uh arbitrarily detaining people seeking asylum so yeah Yeah. it's um for anyone like an our age group i guess it's like almost just that's the way it's been you know mm-hmm. so um calling them concentration camps here probably feels like oh well, we're not that bad it's mm. like actually if you looked into it we are yeah. um, and it's interesting it, just hearing you talk about what you notice in terms of those differences with activism and language and and how important it is for us like so many movements are transnational and to understand what's going on in other parts of the world and how people are organising and sharing ideas and bringing that back, mm. I think, is really important. So yeah. Important. yeah, oh, absolutely. And it was really cool to go there and listen, you know, hear what people are doing yeah. and, and, and see the stuff. Do you get a chance to write about it? Sorry. Well, I'm actually hoping to. Oh, we're, we're kind yeah, of like... Okay. <laughs> kind of, I, I, it depends. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. I, I, I did get an interview with a New York Socialist Dems person and... There was some other. There was a lot of other people there. there. It was kind of, you know, we'll see. We'll see if it ends up coming out or not. But it was very interesting to see what their 
their campaign is different to ours and the different ways people are profiting there was very interesting yeah, as well. Yeah. Off the, mm. yeah, yeah. Human misery. It'd be good to hear more about this and, and obviously going to the news headlines, but just before... Sorry, yeah. um, <laughs> no, no, it's great to talk about. Um, so just to give you a bit of a rundown on what's going on with the show today. So, Ayan, you've got the first... Yeah, so I, um, this is a pre-recorded interview with um, Matt Krunkel. Krunkel, Krunkel, oh my God, I'm so bad with um, pronouncing names. But he is with the Victorian Trades Hall Council and he looked at the issues that temporary migrants face and in particular one case that's currently um, uh, sort of developing which is these um, Colombian international students who were working for a group called Novus N-O-V-U-S Service Group. Mm. Um, uh, so it was like a cleaning kind of um, uh, role, and then they found out they were being like notoriously underpaid, and then they went to him and were like, yo, what's going on? And he kind of wouldn't take their calls, and now they're liquidating the business. Really? Yeah, but there's another business that's that the CEO is starting um, so he's, like, I'm guessing, taking all his assets and stuff to the new business, and those people have the people wow. who are, yeah, don't have pretty much any say. So the interview is just about things that migrant, temporary migrant workers should know where they can get help, and just gives a really good context into what's happening when it comes to um, underpaying workers. Yeah, that sounds like a very important topic mm. to hear mm-hmm. more about. Yeah. yeah. After that. We'll be talking to Sebastian Gretsch, who's from Minus 18. And Ayan, you actually uh, pointed me to this, mm. uh, the, the training that they have for teachers around inclusivity for LGBTIQA plus students. Mm. So I think it's, it's targeted at high schools and is really, really, really important. And we, we know, like, we had Minus 18 come on, Reb from Minus 18 came on a few weeks ago to talk about the Young and Queer report, and some key recommendations out of that were, were that teachers needed to be better trained to understand, you know, queer students and identities and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to be, yeah, really cool to hear yeah. about what this training involves yeah. and... How yeah, how they're going to get that message out. So I'm really mm. excited to talk to Seb about that. Side note, that interview, hap- not interview, but I only heard about Minus 18 because of you. You ah. did the interview <laughs> and then I was doing an interview for Accent of Woman and yeah. I needed um, research into like things that young queer folks, uh, there was a report on that, yeah. um, their thoughts on... Um, what was it? Sorry, I'm just drawing a blank. The Young and Queer Report? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was like all of their, they basically just asked young queer people everything. Yeah. And they put it all together, like exactly. all of the issues that they face in school and communities yeah. and families. Yeah. Yeah, so I use that to kind of um, inform the interview that I did. Cool. For Action of Woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really, it was an amazing interview. It's just good to hear what young people are going through. Definitely. And, and seeing what's important to them. Yeah, yeah. It was a a chance for them to basically come from the horse's mouth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Not just the issues, but what do you, what are the solutions, like people deciding for themselves what they need. Yeah. Um, And after that, 
We should be talking with Laura McLean, who's come on a couple of times to 3CR. She's becoming a bit of a regular here between Tuesday Breakfast mm-hmm. and Crew in the Air. Um, she's going to talk to us about the vigil for Melody Bruno. Uh, Melody Bruno was killed recently, one of the, how was it, like f- uh, five or so women that have uh, been killed in Australia. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a vigil for her on Friday. Yeah. So we'll just be talking about that. And with m- sorry, with mm. Melody's case, did it happen during a week where there was a lot of? Yes, it was okay. like seven days. It became. We I think we t- touched on it yeah. on Tuesday breakfast a few weeks ago. It was seven days of you know, five uh, women being murdered um, by someone known to them. I guess it's, it's, it's awful statistic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we might go to a song and then come back and do some headlines. Yeah. yeah. So cool. this. Uh, I think we're all pretty excited for this in the studio. We were just talking <laughs> before we started. Uh, Daniel Elia has a new album out. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> I've been listening to it on repeat <laughs> for the last couple of days. It's called Famineer, and I want to play my favourite song off that album so far. And um, this this track is called Patience. It's really really good. If you um and da- and and Daniel is a local artist, right? Yes. Yes. From Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I think his background is south of me. Okay. So yeah, yeah it's well, we love local. Yeah, decisions. totally. Uh, and if you if you get a chance, check out the video clip. It's also really really cool. <laughs> We're all looking at each other, wondering who was going to speak. Um, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast. We are still here. In we the are, and we are professionals. <laughs> we are professionals. Sometimes it's nice to have a little breather. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. just don't want to rush into things. Absolutely. And the song that you just played yes. was amazing. Yeah. Um, Daniel Elliott, Patience, of his new album. Please listen to that album in full. Highly recommend it. I just wish we could play that song on repeat for the whole program, but we do have some important (laughs) things to talk about, so that's also good. So, Chris, you have some headlines, things to to share with us? Yes, well, I mean, one one of the ones, and it's tied, it touches on a million different things, but yesterday, a lot of people, pretty much everyone around the country, if, if you looked at a newspaper, you would have seen that the front page was blurred out, like Ooh, the, right. know, blurt, I should, shouldn't say blurred out, it was like blanked out with, mm. in the style of an FOI that comes back with no information, you know, and yeah. it's like, you know, and it, it's, it's part of this, um, it's every media organisation, uh, Including, like, it, it was News Corp and, you know, Nine, but also ABC, SBS, The Guardian, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of organizations joining together to say, to really protest the government's crackdown on press freedoms and not just right. press freedoms, but also whistleblower protections. And I mean, you, you look back and we've had something like 77 of like national security laws passed in the last 10 years or something. I'd have to double check the statistics, but okay. like it's been incessant, like ever since you know Turnbull, not Turnbull, Abbott won really. And like yeah. this go- going back, I don't think Labour were particularly better. They haven't been better. They've waved through this whole, all this through because it's like seen as a weakness for Labour. So they just like say, yes, thank you. How can we help when the coalition says, hey, we should be able to read everyone's metadata or mm. we should um, be able to force companies to put backdoors into phones to mm. let any, to let us in when we want. And like they've, it's been incredible, like the last six years, I think it's, it's been 
just non-stop. Uh, yeah, coalition has led the charge, but Labour has just waved it. They'll they'll say something like, "Oh, we're, we're concerned about the little price for but then they'll just say they'll just rubber stamp it and put it through. So. It was very funny to see Labour yesterday come out in support of this campaign mm. and be like, you guys have been just as bad as the coalition. Right. Uh, it's not the lesser of two evils. Yet. Yeah, no, you're, you're just like less honest about it. And you, like, there's no, <laughs> there's no spine there. Oh, Chris. It was, um, yeah, no, it, 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 the, the stuff yesterday though was particularly in response to the AFP raids, uh, against, um, both ABC right. earlier in this year about their reporting on that, Af- that alleged war crime in Afghanistan. I think we spoke about that recently, that, mm. uh, Australian soldiers allegedly, um, uh, I, I think that case was when they allegedly killed a man and his son in a, mm. in a bedroom, um, uh, just a farmer and his kid. Um, and then another one was uh, a raid of a News Corp journalist, actually. And I think Anita Smithhurst, um, mm. she was reporting on government's plan to actually increasingly spy on Australians. I, I'd have to have to double check and look what that was. But it was um, it was like it was quite scary as a Dutton, alleged Dutton plan to um uh, to to start to use a security agency built on spying around the world, the Australian Signals Directorate, I think, to start spying on Australians. Mm. So that was a um, a, and yeah, basically they mm. raided both both these journalists. They took everything. They you know they went through her drawers, I think, to find stuff. It was very the ABC. They went in and just like got everything. They got emails. They got Jeez. like phone calls. They got like just documents. It was you know really unprecedented. It felt unprecedented. Mm. Uh, and the coalition has kind of like mildly defended some of this over the weekend. They were like, oh, you know, now we wouldn't. They've got some new laws that um, I think the new laws kind of like what what they can and cannot demand from journalists and they're like oh now you know if we want someone if we do want to prosecute a journalist for a leaked leaked information that compromises that compromises this is their version of national security you yeah know? and, and uh, what what does compromise like and who decides totally and this yeah. was the thing is both of these things were very embarrassing for the government so it's not mm-hmm. and it's very hard to prove their relationship with the afp but i do not think it's a coincidence I, and i think it's um yeah, I think a lot of it, like, immediately there has been, Scott Morrison has already had to show a bit of, like, oh, you know, we don't want to, you know, impinge on press freedoms. But, like, you see some of the stuff Dutton gets away, Dutton talks about, like, journalists shouldn't be above the law, and Morrison said the same thing, actually, at the weekend. Mm. And there's all this, and yeah, basically the, the current crackdown from their end is, like, um, their, it's what they can, you know, pun- punishing journalists for leaking stuff that is compromising national security. But um, the this campaign yesterday was interesting in a way in that it was it was definitely aimed at press freedoms, but it's also whistleblower protections in Australia basically non-existent. There's a guy who um his name's Witness K and his lawyer Bernard Collery. They are I think it's one of one of them is facing like 160 years in prison for uh, leaking information that Australia was spying on East Timor back yeah. in the Howard era. Um, back then, and like Australia was doing something very illegal and very, very rude. We were spying on them to get advanced information on like gas negotiations. We were, we were negotiating with the country, um, mm. and Witness K and Bern Collery were the ones to suffer criminal punishments because of this. And there's no, uh, not the people who did that, but like this is this is how lopsided it all is, and a lot of. What's interesting about this campaign as well is that while it is, I fully support it, I think it's terrific, it's like we, Australia should know just how many different ways, and sorry, this is so, there's so many ways where yeah. they're eroding this stuff, yeah. um, but they also, it's also semi-hypocritical if you look back and see what 
some Australian journalists were saying about people like Julian Assange, who, you know, they're like, oh, he's not a journalist, he's, you know, you know, he's, um, you know, WikiLeaks is not really doing anything, or, like, he deserves his criminal punishment, um, and it's kind of like there doesn't seem to be the same level of uh, honesty across this, and a lot of, like, a News Corp publications were advocating for those national security laws, and right. there's, a, there's a level of... Yeah, of like, there's an interesting level of yeah. semi-hypocrisy, you could argue. Yeah. <laughs> and then just today, um, um, in the morning, I was having a look at the ABC. So they've got an article called Australia's Top Academics Call for Murdoch University to Drop Case Against Whistleblower. So remember when Four Corners did a thing on, um, I think, students for cash, kind of like international students um, being allowed oh, to get yeah. into courses that they might not be... M- like suited for, suited for oh, the, the cash cows episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the guys that was in that documentary, um, he's being sued by Murdoch University at the moment. The student? Or uh, the, no, the, the, the teacher. So oh, wow. um, associate professor Jared Scroder Turk, yeah. Turk um, is facing a cross claim from the Western Australian University for costs and damages. Apparently, what he said. Um, damaged the university's reputation. So now they're suing him for that. So it just goes to show you that whistleblowers aren't just like yeah. some fringe folks. These are people in universities, like academics. Totally. Mm. And the, it's, it's usually when something is going wrong in the organization and the organization isn't treating, yeah. like the whistleblowers tend, I think, they will try and take it up the line and be like, hey, why are we spying on this country? Or why are we doing this? Or why are we taking people's money out of their bank account. There's an ATO uh, mm. account. And it's usually when the organisation doesn't, they don't have any other options. Right. And that's actually, the Witness K actually this morning is calling on um, uh, like a new whistleblower protection body because he's saying that, um, they're saying, I should say, um, that there's no, yeah, there's nowhere else for them to go. It means they basically just have to go to the media. And you, the other, yeah. You know. I, I, I'm so happy that you said that, that it's, not their first option that they've exhausted all other avenues and they've had to basically yeah. blow the whistle. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's an emergency call. Yeah. It's an emergency call and it's, mm. they should be applauded, not punished for, you know, for leaking information that is in the public interest and it mm-hmm. is about the Australian government or companies or universities who are acting unethically. And generally speaking, this is, you know, um, I'm sure there are some other cases that like, you know, Insider trading that is probably distinct from whistleblowing, but mm. um, yeah. So that all that's all up in the air this week. And as I mentioned, I'm, I'm sorry, I'd have to double check the specifics, but there's a lot of different laws that have, that this campaign is against and that are currently being considered about kind of cracking down on on press freedoms. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, as we said, it sh- it shouldn't just be about protecting journalists. It should be about protecting whistleblowers yeah. and people who speak out because yeah. that is that's what's under threat now, yeah. especially. Yeah, totally. I think this is such a huge issue and it sort of like reminds me of the, I guess, how our, pro- our rights to protest kind of are getting taken away and like all these different examples of things where where I feel like in the general public we're not super informed about it, like we're not, and maybe it's it's quite complex, like where you start to unpack it and you go, what is actually happening, like what laws are being changed or created? Totally. But we need to be informed, we need to understand what's going on so we can, you know, speak out against it. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's as you know exactly. It's like it's very complicated. Part part of the problem is that it's all you know the metadata stuff just flew over my head. But that's um, it's like important stuff. Mm-hmm. This is this is 
Incredible. And as you say, the protest stuff, the um the other news headline we're gonna oh, we'll yeah. maybe gonna <laughs> touch segue, on. Yeah. So yeah, good segue. Yeah. <laughs> um no, the other one we're maybe gonna talk about was that Queensland especially, and it's not just Queensland, but that is a massive crackdown on protest freedoms and especially in relation to Extinction Rebellion, which are the those protests I think we spoke about a little while ago that yeah. they got people arrested in Sydney and there's been all sorts of um including old climate activists and, like, young climate activists. Like, but Queensland, they're expediting a... Um, expediting? They're, they're rushing through uh, new laws that... It's it's based on this fallacy that... Um, not fallacy, but there has been no... It's going to be legally tricky. Um, there's been no <laughs> proof that protesters have been using uh, equipment that is dangerous to the people who unlock them. Yeah. And the, the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, has argued that... Uh, they, the police need, need tougher powers because protesters are using devices that have, like, you know, booby traps in there or, like, thing, things that can, like, damage the people who try and, like, get them off the road or get them off the pipe or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and they kept ref- they kept ref- referring to these things as, as a justification for these new laws. And every time a journalist has gone, oh, is there any proof of this, uh, they'll kind of, like, direct it to the police and the police will be like... Oh, you know, that gives some vague answer, but there has been no nowhere along the line have we got any unambiguous proof that these things exist. Yeah, and it really sounds like a um, just a way to kind of like I think it's within the month they're going to vote on these things. This new anti-protest law that is very reminiscent of the Joe Bill Peter. Joe P.L. Peterson era. If anyone, did, are you guys vaguely familiar? Did. Yeah, the Queensland, our, our own dictator. We can, we can, you know, he took over yeah. the state, you know, about 20, 30 years ago. Um, very that conservative was like as well. super conservative, very yeah. corrupt, and had like um, the state. So much of the current labor movement was built on that he basically outlawed protests. He said, "There's no, you know, you cannot." Um, the, the, I, there's some phrase of his at the time of protesting is over in Queensland. You cannot protest, and now the the, the you know the ostensible ostensibly Labor government is cracking down on uh, thus far. Like it's inconvenient, you know. And we we talked a bit about how um, places like the Courier Mail are like they talk about protesters like they're scum, you know, like they're really mm-hmm. egging on these very hardline laws. Mm-hmm. And like the Liberals in you know Queensland are obviously just as bad. Like the um. Brisbane City Council have outlawed, have stopped Extinction Rebellion meeting at libraries, I think, okay. as well. And that, this has all happened in the last me- two like weeks. Meeting, not meeting. even protesting, we're talking about. Yeah, just meeting. Assembling. And wow. Just assembling. And it, it's, again, it's not just Queensland, Sydney, they, they you know, after those protests, they had, um, they put a condition on Scott, you know, remember Scott, Lud- Scott, Scott Ludlam, that Green senator from WA years ago, he, um, and a bunch of other protesters, they some of the bail conditions were you cannot go into the Sydney CD, CBD and you cannot meet with other Extinction Rebellion people. Okay. Like the conditions, the bail conditions were insane. Like mm. they were absolutely like bar none. You cannot, like you cannot move to the city. You cannot meet your friends. You cannot. Mm. So it's like it's not just Queensland, but it's um, like it's kind of atrocious that there's this real crackdown yeah. because and it kind of shows that Extinction Rebellion is working in a way that it's getting people's mm. attention it's annoying commuters you know uh, yeah. but it's it's fodder for like right wing kind of like Fine. media and politicians I guess as well like if they're you know and they picked the right group because Extinction Rebellion now has a reputation as this like not I don't think they're aggressive but they're seen as like disturbing the peace mm. so they're an easy group to push this um, uh, law um, 
will use them as a justification, basically. But yeah. sooner or later, they're going to start using it for, um, yeah, across the board, basically, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And Extinction Rebellion, totally. unfortunately, is just yeah. like a perfect test dummy for yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And it really, it, it, those recent arrests really hammed at home, ran at home that it was like you saw like 70 year old scientists getting like yanked around by police and like a four year old girl or something was getting arrested or like stuff that was just, it seemed ludicrous. Um, mm. But it really, yeah, that's exactly like it's going to come back to bite. Yeah, Queensland Labor and, and the coalition, yeah. I imagine. But and it seems like um, because of that narrative that the media has been pushing for years and years and years that protests are disruptive and you know yeah. all this kind of stuff that it's not that hard to get those laws through mm. because the public is already on side. You know, mm. a lot of people are already on side. Yeah, yeah. and you you kind of and you you know there's a sense of yeah complacency and there's a yeah. sense of like entire you know it's like oh I don't want my commute to be you know interrupted and. Absolutely. Like nobody does, but that's the point of protesting. Yeah. Protests need to be disruptive to work. And if, and I feel like now there's been such a surge of protests because the, I mean, you know, oppression has existed forever, but now I think people are really taking over the city, the CBD especially. So these protests are attracting thousands and thousands of people to come out, and and we've seen an accumulation. It feels like there's a protest every week at the moment. So I guess maybe that could be sort of a response to that, to the surge of... To the surge, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the surge of, like, the fact that, especially in Queensland, they're, they're just um, they're doing really poorly on climate action. Like, one of the other headlines this morning was Clive Palmer's company is still seeking a coal mine that's, I think, four, size the ti- four times the size of Adani up mm. in Queensland. Um, and, like, there's... You know, there's there's really and like Adani's still they they just won, they just got something that allows um, uh, police. Uh, it, it allows Adani got a thing from police to to allow them to arrest Adrian Baragaba and other um, traditional owners up in that up in that country, uh, and it's their like their country. And this is this is like the law is now on Adani, and you know they have the right to, to call yeah. in police to to get rid of. Uh, to push people off their own land. So it's right. it's like this is the landscape that protesters are looking against. Um and it's not just extinction rebellion, it's you know, it's indigenous yeah. protesters up in up in far north Queensland. Yeah. Who, people are actually fighting for their homes, yeah. People fighting for their homes, fighting for their country yeah. and you know, it's um you know, you look at this stuff, you're like, what exactly do you expect some people to do? You know? Um but yeah, that's very much my mm. opinion. But it, it is um it's it is very yeah. Full on, full on. Very full. So, again, I was reading another ABC article um, to end this morning, and there was a young girl who, I think she's, she was 16, well, she was under 18 at least, who was strip searched at um, a festival, I think called Splendor, Splendor Jesus. in the Grass or something along yeah, the lines yeah. of that. Yeah, Splendor in the Grass. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, she was strip searched, but kind of like behind the tent, but it's causing controversy because. She's underage and she had no like guardian or a parent. Yeah, that yeah. sounds very. I don't know what the laws around that, but it sounds very legal. Do um, you know what I mean? And apparently, there were a lot of um, of these kind of strip searches that were happening at Splendor in the Grass, but the amount of people who were found to like have drugs on their possession was like minuscule compared to the amount of like, I guess, interferences and stuff. It's yeah. Just insane. 
insane. That's absolutely insane. There's just so much policing, policing of our streets, of our festivals. Yeah, their powers are getting, it is yeah. getting quite, you know, they've, it's only been increasing for mm. decades and decades. And yeah. it's very, one of the other points here is that it's very hard to repeal this stuff. Like it's, um, I think it was, it was actually Craig, our, one of our lead journals yesterday was writing, you know, just name drop. Um, but he was writing that, uh, yeah, like the campaign, the, the newspaper headlines is all well and good, but it won't shift the Australian populace and it won't, it won't change. It's so hard to undo like 20 years worth of like encroaching police powers and, mm. you know, anti-terror legislation and, and things that's like that. That's the thing. That's, I feel that's, like that's where it started from with the, yeah. Yeah, and nothing scares <laughs> the public apparently like a imagined threat of terrorism. Yeah, or they just don't care as well. Like a lot of it's apathy. Like it's it's um yeah, and again, it's very hard to repeal this stuff. It's it's gonna it would take something like a massive Labor would have to really find its would have to win next time and then really find its spine. So Sorry. you know, yeah, <laughs> it's very yeah uh, out out there. But you know, stranger things have happened. On that note, song? Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, so, Jess B was actually in, she was actually here over the weekend. I didn't get to see her, I'm really, really sad. Oh, no. But she, hopefully she'll come back. Um, and you're such a huge fan. I'm <laughs> such a big fan. <laughs> uh, I'd love to play one of her songs from her new album, New Views. This one's called Solo. I loved her and she let me go. I just think that it's, ironic that the state of Victoria want to treaty with Aboriginal people but have no issue in destroying our sacred sites. War is devastating on the environment. In peacetime, the military is a huge user of fossil fuels, a huge driver of nuclear energy and ultimately the architect of nuclear weapons. Subscribe to 3CR in 2019, fighting for social justice and environmental change. And to all the people that are so afraid of the solutions to climate change that they choose to live in denial instead, the current solutions to the climate emergency are much easier to cope with than the outcomes that will come if we don't. Feed Radical Radio. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Follow, follow the sun. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with George, Ayan and Chris. And we have a special guest in the studio with us this morning to talk about something that's really, really cool and I'm personally very, very excited about. From Minus 18, Seb Grek, thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. No worries, thank you for having me. So you're here to talk about some professional development training for teachers on LGBTQA plus inclusivity. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds so cool and so important. Yeah, no, we're super excited to be able to um, bring it to the community. So we were awarded a generous grant from Darabin to give um, some some workshops to the community on LGBTIQ inclusion. So earlier in the year, we were able to deliver um, a creating queer-friendly workplaces community workshop, which was awesome. Um, we had a great turnout. Um, we had a visit from one of the counsellors. Um, Steph Amir, yeah, it was really cool yeah. um, and it was really just a great way to invite the community into like have that dialogue on what can happen because usually when we're delivering our workshops it's always just to one organisation so you right. have very specific voices in the room whereas yeah. it was, yeah, quite diverse and we actually, um, we generated quite a lot of interest from teachers so we thought 
we've got to do a teacher workshop too and yes. let's make it a community one too. Yeah. So um, the hub um, from Darabin has generously been able to host us um, and that's on Thursday, November 7th. Cool. Um, so coming up real soon. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're super excited to be able to launch our, our creating inclusive classrooms into yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. I like to, you sort of touched on it a little bit, we'd like to unpack a bit more about why you think this kind of training is important. For sure. Um, why is it important? Well, we go out there every week. Um, we do youth workshops as well as adult workshops. And um, talking to queer youth and understanding what they need, there is um, a dire need for teachers to be able to support them better. Like, that's that's it at the end of the day. They need the language. They need the knowledge. Um, and, you know, what we find is that it's actually seem, seems to be that kids are wanting to come out more at school than they yeah. are at home. Yeah. Sometimes home can be, um, it can feel unsafe to, to want to come out. And there's a lot of kids still homeless who are LGBTIQA plus um, that are still, you know, have mental health that they need support with. Um, and they're also just questioning their own identity yeah. and want to be able to talk about that with somebody. Yeah. And a lot of the time that ends up being their teacher. So we, we need teachers to be empowered with that knowledge and that language to support them. Um, otherwise, you know, they're doing it on their own or they're, you know, they're asking their friends or staying at their friends' houses. And um, you need to be able to have that connection to well-being as well and um, and youth workers. Mm. So, yeah, it's just about bridging that gap and allowing kids to feel good about themselves when they're learning yeah. at school. That, that's so important. And as you said, if, fa- if family isn't the, the space where people are wanting to come out, the school can offer that and be an entry point to other things like the teacher can be the entry point. To, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So many times where we've, we've, I've spoken to teachers, they're sitting down with the parents trying to have this conversation, whether the kids, you know, um, questioning their sexuality or questioning their gender. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to be able to hear that. But unfortunately, what we know about kids is that, you know, their experience is that 75% are um, experiencing abuse or discrimination before 25 and 80% of them are experiencing it at school. And we know that teachers aren't really calling out that behaviour, that really, really challenging behaviour from other kids, yeah. and they need to be confident in doing that. Yeah, they need to have the language and understanding. Yeah, it's it's just a quick, uh, I guess, side note. My dad's a teacher and he he finds that, and this is kind of the scary reality of it, but like he's, he finds that he's more aware of things than and he goes to these meetings than other teachers. And as a cis, straight, older man, I think that you've got to be worried when he's the one that knows what's going <laughs> on. And he's pushing for these things to be discussed. But sure. yeah, when it's not coming from the top down and it's not a big part of the culture and, and there isn't that training there, that's mm. it's a huge issue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it can be a huge barrier for some teachers, um, especially in larger schools where you don't have a lot of power. You're, you know, you're the one that you, you, you're subject to whatever the coordinator, whatever the leadership team is wanting to do. So part of us giving them that training is giving them some power to be able to make yeah. a decision about how they want to treat their student, how they want to be able to support their student. Yeah. And so can you talk us through what the training will involve? For sure. Yeah. So we usually spend the first like hour just really breaking it down 
what's the difference between <laughs> sex and gender? Step one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you've got to start from the bottom. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we have an activity where we slowly start to build that understanding of, um, of that and we try to make it really accessible so that you don't have to have any knowledge coming in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just about understanding for that first hour and the second hour we like to talk about inclusive language. Um, we talk a bit about mental health and well-being, like the impacts of, mm. of discrimination and what discrimination actually looks like. Yeah. Um, what is, what does bullying look like? Cause a lot of the time it can be really subversive. It's not obvious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we really try to make that like quite easy to understand and also just chuck in quite a few scenarios that are really like classroom based things yeah. that you find in the corridors um and what are the best ways to help yeah those young people through those situations um how, what's the best ways to stand up because ultimately like you've got to if you, once you come away from this class like sorry from once you come away from this workshop you're going to be you're going to have the tools you're going to have the information so you've got to use it and you've got to feel mm. confident in knowing how to use it yeah totally if you're if you've just tuned in i'm speaking with, with seb grek who's from minus 18 and we're talking about some professional development training that minus 18 is offering in is it early november so november 7th no- november thursday 7th. november 7th um i i think that sounds incredible all of the different aspects of the training and particularly what you said about highlighting what discrimination looks like because you, obviously you'd need to be able to identify it and if it is quite subtle you know that seems like a big barrier for teachers even if they're well intentioned to be able to provide that support for sure yeah and so c- tell us what else we've gone through that um you know, I guess in the context of like safe schools, you know, we've sort of had this resistance and you think that do you think that's another important aspect as to why this kind of training is really important? Yeah, safe schools was a really interesting time for minus eighteen because yeah. we were originally partnered um, in that, you know, to be able to deliver some relevant education and young, have young voices in the room that actually meant that, you know, they felt like this was a good thing for us. Mm. Um, when safe schools all fell apart, um, and, you know, safe schools are still around. They're still doing a lot of work to support teachers, but yeah. unfortunately just not at the capacity that they used to. Um, it, it meant that uh, there was quite a gap there in terms of, well, what schools can access this. Yeah. And the interesting thing is safe schools is at the moment, able to support public schools and they they do a lot of support in that okay. realm but that but with private schools um they don't have to be engaged with safe schools yeah. so um so there's the, quite a window and quite a large part of our i guess you know population that are not accessing this information at all and it's yeah. not mandatory so there's quite a few organizations out there doing the work which is awesome and we're love like happy to be partnered with them mm. as well um but yeah it's it's been such a privilege to be able to especially do youth workshops and support Mm. young people so we do yeah we do youth workshops we do adult workshops in schools and out um but that's that's personally my favorite being able to give this information to someone that's you know 13 14 15 who's just starting to understand yeah yeah, gender diversity and sexuality and stuff that would be like you can just imagine being a young kid and getting to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Like we just it just didn't exist in, in totally. yeah, it would blow you <laughs> I am doing some <laughs> <laughs> signing. Yeah. It would blow your mind. Like you'd be like, Whoa, like yeah. this is you can be like this and there are people that are older and this is who they are and and it would just be so like yeah, it's just so incredibly important. I guess we should talk logistics. 
Totally, yeah. So how can people, who is it, who is it for specifically? How can they get involved? Absolutely. So you can just jump on our website at minus18.org.au and if you're interested in a workshop, just jump on and, yeah, go through the contact us form. But there's a, a Facebook event as well for our Darabin workshop. Cool. Um, I will mention also there's a Facebook um, event that we just put up with Trans Awareness Week in November yeah. um, and we're doing another community workshop at RMIT yeah. um, where we're doing... Um, uh, it's called Beyond the Binary, so we're going to be talking about everything that's, um, you know, we've got gender identities that being gender fluid, gender queer, um, non-binary. So we're going to break all that down for you if you want more access cool. to that information. Yeah. Um, so that's on the 14th of November as well, and you can just find that on Facebook or yeah. Eventbrite. All your socials, it'll be there. Beautiful. We'll have to share that as well. Thank you so much for your time, Seb. You, Minus 18 is doing, you're doing an amazing work. <laughs> it, seriously, it's so exciting to hear about, and I hope all of these training events and workshops go really, really well. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> Looking to connect with your local community and do something rewarding? Well, volunteering to lead a neighbourly ride could be exactly what you're after. The short 40-minute group rides are for all ages and ride levels. Help people build their confidence, feel supported while safely exploring the local areas of Brunswick, Carlton, Fitzroy and Northcote by bike. Volunteers receive free ride leader training, so go to neighbourlyride.com to contact us about volunteering. A 3CR supporter. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21... Oh God, I love that song. That should have been a smoother end, but we don't have time. For that, so that song was by um, Arrested Development called "Everyday People" and looks at toxic masculinity and why men feel intimidated when they see a guy who doesn't fit their ideal of what it means to be men having a good time with their partner. Um, okay, so now we're going to be playing the interview that I did with Matt Kunkel from the Victorian Ch- Trades Hall Council, and the interview is about the issues faced by um, temporary migrants. So the case that we are involved in at the moment involves a number of different international students, predominantly from Latin America and, again, mostly from Colombia. 
they have been working for a company as cleaners and that company has just notified them that they're going to be liquidated and by virtue of the fact that these workers are not permanent residents or citizens, um, they have very little chance of actually getting any of the money that's owed to them out of the business. Right, right. So, as you know, wage theft is an issue that affects all workers, but I'm guessing it's made worse for, or at least it's more complicated for migrant workers. Why do you think they're so vulnerable to exploitation? Look, I don't think migrant workers are inherently vulnerable. I mean, migrant workers are just like everybody else. I think what creates difficulties for migrant workers to get justice is the precarity that's built into the visa system. So Mm. many workers are faced with a difficult decision to make. Do they prioritise their residency in Australia over chasing the money that they're owed by these companies? So the Migrant Workers Centre has a couple of functions, the first of which is to educate, firstly, that all migrant workers have the same rights as all work, you know, they have the same rights as all other workers in Australia, and the second is to campaign with them to, to see those rights enforced. So um, I don't think that they are necessarily or inherently vulnerable. It's just that all workers get treated mm. badly by bad employers. It's just that the Their visa conditions. system creates a another layer of insecurity for, for workers. Right, right. Okay, got you. Um, with these students, thankfully these students were able to um, speak up, but there are a lot of migrant workers who might not be able to speak up. Why do you think they'd be reluctant to come out and um, seek unpaid wages? What we see is some migrant workers are reluctant to speak about unpaid wages or wage theft or other bad practices in the workplace because they prioritise their visa over their workplace rights. Um, and that's not to say... I mean, that's a calculation that they must make. Mm. So... Um, some people have been here on temporary visas for quite some time looking to try and find a pathway to permanency in Australia but many of those workers are also bonded to their employer so if they speak up or they make a complaint um, there is a risk that their employer fires them or takes some other form of action against them Mm. and then they're on the clock they've only got 60 days to find a new sponsor or Mm. run the risk of being um, and becoming an undocumented worker in the country. So many workers, for that reason, might just take slightly less money on the hope that one day they'll get not just a permanent job and a better job, but also a permanent visa so they can start mm. building a, a, a future for themselves and their family. Absolutely. And I was having a look at the Fair Work um, website and the process is so complicated and there's so much terminology. So, And I'm a native speaker, so I can't even imagine what someone who might not understand the jargon or might not understand the Australian law would be going through. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so opaque. The industrial relations system in Australia is, you know, there's 900-odd pages of legislation and then there's the occupational law, occupational health and safety laws, then there's anti-discrimination laws. It's, it's really quite difficult, and as you said, even for native-speaking um, people, native English speakers, it can be quite difficult to, to navigate, mm. which is part of the reason that the Migrant Worker Centre was set up, was to try and educate people about their rights. We do that in a number of different languages, um, but it's also we're here to help migrant workers um, who might be having problems at work or think they're having problems at work to kind of understand their rights in the workplace, what they are 
entitled to, what they should be being paid. Uh, and if we find out that they're not being paid correctly or that, you know, they've got a problem that um, can be resolved, um, we, you know, bring people together to campaign collectively to, to resolve that issue. And for the migrant workers who are listening in um, into this program and are sort of like connecting the dots and going, hey, I might be going through this, what are some immediate steps that they can take, Matt? Look, the first thing that anybody, well, look, it doesn't matter whether you're a migrant worker mm. or you're born here or, or anything like that, absolutely everybody out there who's working in uh, any job should be keeping good records of their employment. So if, you know, you're entitled to get a pay slip, if, um, if you're not, then that's a problem and usually mm. a sign of a dodgy boss, but um, you should keep all your pay slips, you should keep absolutely everything, every piece of written correspondence your employer um sends to you or that you send to your employer but moreover than that if you're not getting proper pay slips you need to keep some kind of record of the time that you've done so if you you can keep a diary um, where you say your start time and your finish time how much money you're being paid because it is possible to recover wages and underpay or, or stolen wages after you've left a company as well so mm. um, many many times companies aren't keeping good records so when it comes to recovering that uh, if you've got a good record of when you worked and how much you were paid, you know you can do a calculation of the difference. Uh, and often the court will rely on the workers' material in the absence of the the employer not having any records. So the absolute number one thing I would say is that everyone should keep records. Um, the other, I guess, um, equally as important part of this is that absolutely every worker, no matter where they are or what they do, they should join a union. Um, and there is a union for absolutely every job. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're working in hospitality or you're cleaning floors mm. or picking fruit or flowers or selling things to people on the street. It doesn't matter what you do. There is a union for absolutely everybody. So um, keep good records and join the union. Those are your first two things. Mm. Um, and if you need to find out more information about your workplace rights, there are a number of different ways to go about that. Um, contact your relevant union or if you're a migrant worker and you want some information in your own language, um, we can help you out with that too. Um, you can just head to our webpage, migrantworkers.org.au, or look us up on Facebook with Migrant Workers Centre with a um, with the one with the big orange uh, mm. globe yeah. globe logo. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts, and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian-made, and you can get one for just thirty dollars. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. You're tuned into Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Um, before the CSAs, we heard an interview that I did with Matt Kunkel. Matt Kunkel is from the Victorian Trades Hall Council, and he um, just kind of gave a brief overview of the issues facing mig- uh, temporary migrant workers and um, ways that they can, <clears throat> things that they can do to kind of um, fight for unpaid wages and so on. There's an excellent number if you are tuned in and you're a migrant worker. Um, that number is, um, hold on, I just kind of lost it. Yes, here it is. So it's 
three five one six. That's nine six five nine three five one six. And I just also shared it on our Tuesday breakfast page on Facebook. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts, and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian-made, and you can get one for just thirty dollars. They come in black, dark grey, and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, or order by phoning 94198377, or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au/shop. Come on, you know you want one. Yeah, Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with George and Ayan. We have another special guest in the studio this morning, uh, Laura McLean, who is a Wiradjuri woman and union organiser. Hey, George. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me. So we should probably give a content warning, actually, for this segment. So we'll be talking about um, uh, gendered violence and transmisogyny. And if that is something that's going to be a bit uh, full-on for you, you can tune out for the remainder of the show. Um, but we probably should give some numbers. So if this is something that you're experiencing, you can call 1-800-RESPECT on 1-800-737-732. That's 1-800-737-732. So you're with us this morning to talk about Melody Bruno. Uh, yes. So, uh, Melody was a Filipino, uh, trans woman who was murdered a few weeks ago in Waka. Um, and we're organizing a vigil, um, in her memory this Friday at the front of the State Library at 6.30 p.m. Yep. And so it seems like a pretty important thing to get down and support if, yeah, if you're around then. Yeah, absolutely. We're encouraging people to bring flowers, um, and hold space with us in commemoration and mourning of her life. Um, there's also going to be donation buckets. Um, going around on the evening to go to, um, to donate to the family for funeral expenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good thing to support for sure. And so who's organized the vigil? Um, so really just a, a bunch of local community members, um, a few trans people, um, in the local Melbourne community, um, as well as, uh, Filipino community members down here and activists. Mm. Yeah. And we were talking just off air about how that's important, the like the community coming together to put put on this kind of vigil. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, definitely important um, that community comes together to um, you know do these sort of things and help support each other, and also to bring awareness. I think is a really big part of it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I sort of be interested to talk with you about kind of the, the structural factors that are going on. Uh, that that maybe make more people more vulnerable to this kind of violence, and we this happened in the week where we saw five women murdered and a number of those women are uh, women of color. So, wh- how do you think we need to understand these 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 deaths in this context? Um, <clears throat> that's a great question. It's 
very complex and there's a lot of um, overlying um, factors and um, intersections of oppression at play here. You know, there's um, huge violence against trans women and trans misogyny, um, as well as violence against uh, migrants and people of colour. Um, and as, although Melody was here, um, you know, uh, on a holiday and wasn't, um, you know, a, a working migrant, there's also, like, um, I think... It's really important to also like recognize that um, migrant Filipino workers also face huge um, uh, amounts of violence and workplace violence yeah. here as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's a few things going on. Um, yeah. yeah. So this this kind of oppression and experience is crossing over into lots of different aspects for migrant workers and Filipino workers in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And so uh, in terms of you know trans misogyny, like can you speak to that as well? In the case, in this, in this case, but just generally, what this means, and yeah, um, well, yeah, we we see huge, um, huge amounts of violence against trans women, especially trans women of color, globally, um, and in here in um, in Australia as well. Um, thankfully, um, you know, we we might not have as high of a as a murder rate as the US or um, some parts of South America, but um, the violence is still there and it's still perpetuated um, through our mainstream media um, and broadly how we talk about trans issues um, and especially trans women and the misogyny that's sort of played into that. Um, I think, and yeah, like it's really deeply rooted in misogyny and Australia has a big misogyny and rape culture problem, um, as well as a huge problem of violence against women. Um, yeah. And when you add that extra layer in there of being trans, it's just amplified. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so how can, can you give us the details for the vigil again for listeners who might want to go? Yeah, so it is 6.30pm this Friday, which is October 25th. It'll mm-hmm. be at the front of the State Library mm-hmm. in Melbourne on Swanston Street. Um, and again, please bring flowers, bring friends, community, um, and yeah, there will be donation buckets to help fundraise for, um, for her family for the funeral costs. Great, and we, we can share those links on our Facebook page as well. So we might we might go to another track. Maybe we can play another song from Daniel, uh, Daniel Elia from his new album, Thamania. This track is called Easy. Hello. Yeah, what's up? Love. It's easy to love me now. Love me now. Would you love me if I was down? If I was down, it's easy to love me now. Love me now. Would you love me if I was down? If I was down, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? I was down. It's easy to love me now. Love me now. Would you love me if I was down? It's easy to love me now, cause you don't know about all the shit that I've been through. Let me tell you now. Would you love me if I told you I'm the jealous type? Would you love me if I used to smoke weed? Would you still love me? you still love me my homie suicided cause he had depression he came to me for help and i could have helped him instead i called the cops and told him it was nuisance look he won't leave my couch so we carried him out look then he got arrested when the cops arrived yeah i was so embarrassed when i had him around cause he was high look he was not the same person that i used to know i could have helped him if i was willing to listen now that he's gone i just hope i'm forgiven do you still love me now that you know, now that you know Would you love me if I was down? 
love me if they said I was a criminal, yeah I mean I spent a night in jail but I was innocent, yeah And that night is what made me stop drinking, yeah It changed my life cause I could have stayed in jail for like 25 years Look, you knew that I was innocent, Lord I've done things in my life but this wasn't my fault, yeah Look, it ain't easy to love me now, why? Cause loving me is complicated, yeah How could you love me when I don't love myself? Yeah, there's no amount of love that can be enough If I don't love myself I lost people in my life, it made me lose myself It made me lose my health and I was down, look I was really trying to find a way out I was constantly thinking pain will subside I was smiling but really hurting inside, yeah I just hated the fact that I was alive For 45 years, Friends of the Earth has been mobilising communities to resist the destructive industries like coal, gas, nuclear, and to transform our world into somewhere better. Come celebrate with us as we celebrate 45 years of creative resistance. 25th of October at the Gasometer, doors open at 8pm with a welcome to country at 9pm. The lineup includes Alicia Joy, Hello Tut Tut, Mortisville, Claddy, and more. You know it'll be fun because it's Friends of the Earth. See you there. You can get tickets online or at our famous food co-op at 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. Friends of the Earth are a proud supporter of 3CR. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself, George, and Ayan. We're down a couple of people in the studio today, but we should be back next week with Anya and yes. Zoya, hopefully. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Cannot wait to have them back. Yes. And I've been... I'm here, by the way. I'm just have my <laughs> You're just p- doing other on. stuff here. I'm just like and oh, paneling. I'm still here, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. And we also have Laura McLean in the studio with us, uh, talking about, or we were j- just previously talking about the uh, vigil for Melody, and the song that we just heard as well. We should have, we should say, we just heard Daniel Elia with Easy. But before that, we, we uh, Laura suggested that we play a great track. Can you tell us? About that track? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the track was uh, See What You Mean by Cable Ties. They're a really grouse uh, local Melbourne band. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're really good yeah. and radical and awesome. So check them out. Yeah, totally. It's a r- really good song. So I guess why we have you here, because you're also a union organiser. I am that. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be, lo- would be great just to hear some updates, like what's going on in the union world at the moment? Yeah, well, I guess um, probably the most pressing thing at the moment is RTBU Metro workers um, are in an ongoing battle with Metro Trains. Metro Trains are trying to put profit before people. Um, and prof- I know, right? <laughs> this is what happens when you privatise public transport. Yes. Like, it's just not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, putting profits over the safety of their workers and of passengers as well. Um, I won't get too into the details, but they're in an ongoing, um, ongoing disagreement with their current enterprise agreement negotiations. Um, so there was a rally last week, um, and there's another rally coming up on Thursday, October 31st. 
at 8 a.m. Um, and that will be at the front of the Victorian State Parliament in East Melbourne. So if you can make it down there, I strongly encourage you to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also RSVP on the We Are Union website, which mm-hmm. is weareunion.org.au. Um, outside of that, we have our upcoming uh, We Are Union activist meetings, um, Wednesday, October 23rd, which is tomorrow. Um, there's a Melbourne activist meeting at Trades Hall. Uh, Monday, October 28th, there is the North East activist meeting at 6.30pm, um, as well as the... Um, I don't know. The one out in Morty Alec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, coming up. And we have our next We Are Union Brunswick meeting on November 14th, if you live in Brunswick. Can um, you tell us a bit more about that? Because yes. you've been going to, to, to these ones and I'm interested to hear. Yeah, so um, we're really trying to um, take unionism back to its old school roots of community organising. So um, what Victorian Trades Hall have done is set up a bunch of local activist um, groups. So there's one in Brunswick, there's one in Coburg, there's one in Footscray. One in Melbourne, so for people living in the area who are active union members or who might want to get a little bit more involved, um, to come along to those meetings, um, you know, with comrades um, from around your local community. And, and really we talk about um, what's going on in our community, what's important for people, a lot of social issues and stuff, um, and how we can uh, reach out and engage with um, our broader local communities. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's really fun. Yeah. Um, the Brunswick one is at a pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the annex meeting will be at the Charles Weston Hotel yeah. in Brunswick. Um, yeah, so it's really, yeah, just taking it way back to grassroots community organising. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really good initiative by yeah, trade. It's, su- it's such a good idea, and I guess we we are increasingly isolated in terms of our, our community often, you know, and mm. to actually meet up with people and talk about these issues and, and think about how we can be actively engaged, you know, not just, like, what are the issues, but what can we do to be a part of it, like supporting the metro workers in small ways or doing yeah. all that kind of stuff, like... We do have that power and we can, you know, yeah. we, we can do that. We just need to actually <laughs> go to these kinds of things and, t- and talk to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And you'll be surprised, like, how much you can do even just with a small group. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of power in that. Um, oh, and I just remembered another thing I yes. want to touch on really quickly yeah. before we go is the Ensuring Integrity Bill. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, the Morrison government is trying to push through what they call an Ensuring Integrity Bill. This is basically... Um, going to give businesses control over the operation of unions. It's going to take away okay. even more of our rights. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's a huge assault um, on working people um, across the country. So we're trying really hard to um, fight it and make sure that it doesn't get passed. Yeah. Um, and we're encouraging people to contact um, crossbenchers who... In, at this stage have the power to block this bill. Um, if you want to find out more about it, you can head to the ACTU um, ACTU website and also the Victorian Trades Hall website I think has a thing about it. But um yeah, check that out. Call your union um and ask them about it yeah. and um what you can do to help prevent this bill getting through. Okay, great. Thank you for that update. I think we might almost need to have you come on again to explain that in more detail. But it sounds like yeah. it sounds like there are some links there that people can check out to, to learn more about that. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Laura, and informing us about this and about Melody's vigil, which is this Friday at 6.30. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So...
Um, so that's Red that's alert. us for today. Um, we'd like to thank all of our guests. It was a really, really great show. We had Seb Grek, we had Laura McLean, and Matt Crunkle, and obviously Chris, as always, with, with the important news of the week. Uh, we will see you next week, and up next is Accent of Women. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.